Before we get to a very serious sports situation that uh, is unspooling in Sacramento these days, Drive Guys here at the Gold One Center. I just got to say here, sometimes I, I don't know what's going on in the world. I have here on Twitter from Ben says, uh, Whitey, whoever got the oatmeal raisin won that trade. Which there you is just go. Nonsense. That's what I'm talking about. And then you said, what What did somebody say on the YouTube, uh, on the chat? On the chat about uh the 49er take that uh, you had? Yeah. It said Drapes, and this is on the text line, 916. Oh, text line, okay. Drapes, you know that 49er fans are going to say that, cannot ever take any ownership to their team's failure. Once again, Drapes, you know the truth of it. Arrogance can never accept or admit to any weaknesses. And I didn't text that in myself. I didn't text that in. It reminds me of the Warriors. That's what I'm saying. Niners fans have become the Warriors fans. Without the recent championships to back it up. That's what's so upsetting. And that's why I hate on the Niners. It's not because of Brock Purdy. It's not because of my guy, Brandon Ayuk, CMC. It's because of the fans that think that they're... They're fans. Their team's really good, and they enjoy it. Why does that make them good? But they have. Why does it make them arrogant? In a in a in a generation. Okay. Well, what do you want them to do? Go. Oh, gee, sorry. I I won't say anything. I'm I'm watching ESPN today, and they had a a a trivia question. Since 1995, which teams have made the NFC Championship game the most? Number one, the Green Bay Packers. Okay. Number two with seven, the San Francisco 49ers. Tied for number two, the Philadelphia Eagles. What do the Eagles have that the Niners don't in the last 28 years? The Eagles don't have anything that the Niners don't (laughs) have. The answer to that is nothing. I mean, I know you tried other to. Than, you, other than a Lombardi you, hanging down on Broad Street. You tried to qualify Madison. it there, but no, they don't have just, anything that the 49 Yeah, I almost said, I set you up for that one. I, you see, I was trying. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's it's the arrogance from a franchise that but, is a proud franchise. I get it. It's you the Niners. Seven trips to the. But the Eagles got that, too, okay, and we but, got a Super Bowl out of it. You, you're not. You, you said 49 fans, they never win anything. They're arrogant. Their team never does anything. And yeah, it's been a while since I won the Super Bowl, but that's pretty good. That's solid. <laughs> that's okay. But the Packers are are have a a, a longer history over to my Packers. So there's three the teams on the list, years. and two of them are your team. <laughs> Funny how that works, right? <laughs> but that's all I'm saying. It's like win something first. Uh-huh. And I'm not talking about they when have. I was uh, 15 years old. I'm talking about in, in my son's lifetime in this generation. This yeah, is your they, year, Niners. They've won. The 49ers have won a few. All right. Yeah, they have won a few, and it looks like uh, everything's lined up for them to have a great shot of winning another one. We'll get back to that. And as we mentioned, Wayne Larravee from the Packers, uh, bottom of the hour, he's our play-by-play guy. But today, um, the Oakland A's were in town. Uh, somebody, I believe it, I apologize for not having the name, but I believe somebody from uh, Channel 13 actually has video of oh, yeah. the A's pulling away there at the stadium. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah. So Andrew Habner. Hobner, I believe. Hobner. Yeah, I believe you're right. Thank you, Jay. Um, so the A's are in town. They're scouting out Sacramento potentially to play here uh, 25, 26, 27. Now you've got the A's fans in Oakland saying, please, Sacramento fans, you almost lost your basketball team. We're, we're heartbroken. We're losing our, our baseball team. Please don't support this. Right. But this is a chance for Sacramento to show baseball what we could do. So some people are confused. I'm a little confused. 
Jay, I know you are not the least bit confused, are you? No, not at all. I'm uh, I'm on a one trick. I got a one trick mind right now, fellas. I, it's it's going to be difficult to see them come to Sacramento to be so close where they're they're touchable, right? They're they're around the corner. They're up the street, however you want to say it. But at the same time, it's just it's still not the same. It's not the Oakland A's. And you know, my beef lie continues to lie within John Fisher. It, it just really does. I, I I can't I can't fathom supporting what the A's do as long as he is part of this organization. And it's kind of funny, you know, I'm getting tingly because you've already attacked my my 49er fandom uh, a couple of minutes ago, Drapes, you and the the text line. But at the same time, I can also say I was a fan of the A's before the 49ers. My first love is baseball, right? And and 49ers followed right behind a year later or so. But it's just difficult, fellas, for me to get on board, even though I know they're going to be touchable, reachable. You know, we can right. we can jump on uh, whatever freeway, I-550, wherever you're coming from, and get there within a matter of minutes. I just can't I just can't bring myself to it. How about you? I don't I don't know if here's the thing. I, I think I don't know if A's fans will support it, but I think Sacramento will if you will support it. Like, if you're a baseball fan, maybe not a fan of the A's, maybe you don't have any allegiance to any team. And baseball is really big. This is a huge Yes, baseball. it is. It's that huge, yeah. baseball, huge baseball, town. baseball town. You know, and if you got a chance to see the Red Sox come to town, the Yankees come to town, you're not going to go? If you're a fan, I'm not saying, you know, the diehard Oakland A's fans who are upset and hurt. I get that. But there's a lot of people who don't have a dog in this fight. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, my gosh. This is a chance to take my kids and, and have a night out, real Major League Baseball. Event. I think it'll be a big-time support it's, here it's, in town. It's a tough one, Jay, um, because, yeah, it, you're a baseball guy. You played baseball, very high level. And here's Sacramento May. And this is, you know, none of this is a done deal yet. It looks like it may happen. But yeah. this is a chance for Sacramento to show Major League Baseball, hey, if we had a team here, here's what we could do. This is a chance for Sacramento mm. to show MLB Baseball, MLB, what they could do. At the same mm. time... We now have the Oakland 68s. That's the people that came up with the shirts. <laughs> right, right. And they're begging Sacramento, please don't get behind this. Yeah. You know how this feels. So what in the world are we supposed to, what do? Are we supposed to do? You know, it sounds like Jay knows exactly what he wants it, to do. It's interesting that you say that because I hadn't even looked at from that point of view, Whitey, when you're talking about it gives the city my yeah, city, right. you know, our right. city, an right. opportunity to showcase, especially when we're still in the fight for MLS, no matter if you believe it or not. They're still in the fight for that. And so we're looking to house another professional team. I hadn't thought about that. And that's a difficult situation to approach because I want my city to do big. I want to see my city have an NBA All-Star game. I don't care if we got to float a, a, a Carnival cruise ship in here or not. Yeah. Let's get yeah. an NBA All-Star <laughs> team. But, I mean, game and events. So – I didn't look at it from that standpoint, right. but my my green, and I'm not talking about Kyle's Eagles or Packers, my green doesn't allow me to um, get behind and support something that I've kind of already right. washed my hands of because I feel as a as an Oakland A's fan, and please tell me how you guys feel, and you could jump on board 916-339-1140, I feel like John Fisher and the Oakland A's have already washed their hands of us already and so it's kind of difficult for me to go back into the kitchen and, and pull the soap out again you know right, right. it's like i'm hurt yeah but, but let's say john fisher 
woke up tomorrow and said, you know what, this Sacramento thing is, is working. This is a great community. I really don't want to move out of Northern Cal, but I'll, I'll move to A's to Sacramento. Are, are you okay with that, Jay? Are, are, you, are you feeling Man, okay that's about tough. that? Because I, I, I've said, I've said on this Airways, Drapes, and I think you've heard me, as long as John Fisher is a part of the ball club, it's going to be hard for me not to be for me to be a part of the, the ball club. But, you, you, man, you barking up the right tree. If you're telling me that we're going to keep the A's, that's for, foremost, first and foremost, that's yeah. what I want. So I got to respect that. If you can keep the A's in Northern California, then I have to come back because, I, you know, that's what I want. I don't want them to leave right. us and go to Nevada. But I'm always in the back of my mind going to say, who knows what's going to happen? You know, it, what is yeah. John going to do? And something I've said, and, and Whitey brought this off the air as I pulled back the curtains, if this is a bridge to one or two things, the A's keeping the name in Northern California, like you can take the organization, but we keep the A's so I can still wear my gear and my hats and stuff, and maybe down the road when the expansion, I can, be, you know, I continue kind of like what you saw with the Cleveland Browns. Or if you're telling me this is a gateway to Sacramento having a baseball team, then I'll, for the better, you know, for the greater good, then I'm all for right. it. It just would be hard for me anyway to say, and I love baseball. I'm from a baseball family. If the A's were here, it would be hard for me to go out and get excited about it without feeling like I'm some level. I'm just saying, you know, A's, everything you did, A's fans on baseball, everything you did to fans, yeah, it's okay, you know? Ah, it's all right, and it's not. I, yeah, I, I think, though, when you look at baseball, you have your diehards, your loyals, but then you have your casuals. I think it's harder for the diehards and loyals to forget and forgive, but I think the casuals would still show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the casuals would, would still, you know, fill the arena. Dodgers, uh, you know, whoever it may be, Mariners, Cup, like whoever they play on a Friday or a Saturday afternoon. Big time. It, people are going to want to oh, be yeah. a part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Can you imagine Shohei Otani? Shohei. You just <laughs> never know, right? Know. Like, seriously. But, you know, this is the thing, and I want to make sure I say this. Anything that has to do with the Oakland A's, I'm going to be a part of until he leaves. When I say he, John Fisher yeah. leaves, not the team. I'm all for it. The other part about it is, is I'm all Sacramento all the time. So yeah. if it, if it's a, if it, creates an avenue for the city of Sacramento to be to better itself, then I'm with you, Drapes. And the other right. part about that is, and you guys are living it. You you're sitting right there. Mm-hmm. As we continue as we see in Sacramento, an event is an event. Mm-hmm. And the yep. King's event rule. And if you're telling me you're gonna have, you know, eighty one of these games and probably a little more with preseason and things like that. And then you bring in Shohei and Aaron right. Aaron Judge yeah, and yeah. You know, Clayton Kershaw, Mookie Betts. It's going to be tough to stay away from there. I agree. Yes. Yep. <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? Uh, well, we got some more time to think. Yeah. About it. It's amazing. <laughs> look, look where Jay started this conversation. Right. I know, up. man. And that just speaks <laughs> to how difficult how, it is. How hard it is. Yes. Because it, it would be good for the city of Sacramento, but it, it's like, it, it's like I don't know if you guys ever watched The Simpsons. Like, John Fisher is Mr. Burns, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's it, you know, he's the big uh, big fish in the city that you, you know, he employs a lot of people. If he came to SAC, it'd be good for our city. But, man, the owner that he is, like, it, it's hard to support. 
Uh, we'll take a quick timeout. When we come right back, I'm more confused than I was. Uh, when we come Me too, right man. back. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you about that Green Bay Packer who, like a lot of people who's pulling for the Packers this week, is just plain wrong about Brock Purdy. Next, <laughs> Drive Guys, Sackdowns. Drive Guys coming to you from the Golden One Center, I guess, as we get ready for uh, Wayne Larrabee, play-by-play voice of the Packers, coming up bottom of the hour. And as we get ready for the 49ers and the Packers, that um, – Mini whatever it was yesterday, mini brouhaha kind of blew over. Mark Chimur, the things he said uh, on Milwaukee yeah. radio about, you know, oh, you, if you, I, I, I'm not advocating uh, taking out Brock Purdy. <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, it's funny because I remember when Bounty Gate first broke, I worked at a station in San Francisco, and it was a privilege to work with, among other people, the great Eric Davis, who was an oh, outstanding, yeah. Yeah. yeah, an all-pro, mm-hmm. you know, uh, member of the secondary for the 49ers, played for the Panthers. And I remember talking to him about that. And football people at the time, you know, people are outraged about, oh, they put a bounty out on right. Red Favre. And he's like, that happens all the time. <laughs> that's what, right. that's that's what is, goes on. It's pro football. <laughs> we look at you know? take them out. Yeah. 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 It's not pretty, but that was football. Of course, it was a bad look for the league at the time, especially yeah. given all the concussion um, lawsuits and everything. So it seems like Mark Jamur there is smart enough to know that. And, like, they were just trying to draw attention to themselves a little bit yesterday. Yeah. And did it backfire or, or mission accomplished? I don't know. I don't know, right? Maybe a little bit, <laughs> right. but I think by and large people are just kind of they're ignoring it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you know how the news cycle is, though. It's always, yeah. you know, you're, you got to – those guys striking while they're hot. And speaking of hot, Buddy Heald out there warming up. You Boom. see that way over in the corner yes. there? Yeah. Shivano Rainier. Buddy Boom. Heald. Yeah, he hit another one. Okay. Yeah, I think what Mark Jamer said, there's some truth to it, but it's just we, you don't say that. Don't anymore. say it out loud. It's you bad for it. the league right. in a way. Yeah, it, it is. But, you know, what's interesting about that is, and, and I would imagine, uh, I, I think the league and ESPN, remember they used to show the highlights of guys getting hit, jacked up, or yeah. whatever they – do they do that anymore? No. They stop that, yeah. right? They and stop glorifying that. Yeah, and it is true the, the way they've changed the rules. It is harder to do what Mark Chimura yeah. is advocating, right? I mean, you can't even tackle a guy low. And I understand right. that's great, but it's hard now to take out the other team's quarterback unless he's going to put himself in harm's way. Well, I mean, you can do an illegal hit, get the penalty, get the fine. Based on what Mark Chimura was saying, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't Yeah. Well, here's what Devontae Wyatt of the Packers says about Brock Purdy. And he's not saying we're going to take him out. But <laughs> defensive tackle Devontae White on Brock Purdy, quote, when D linemen get pressure into him, he's always throwing off or it's behind them or it's overthrown or short. When you get pressure on him, it's a guarantee we'll get a turnover, mm-hmm. end quote. Devontae Wyatt. That's a nice little soundbite there. But it's completely wrong. It's factually wrong. Brock Purdy <laughs> led the NFL this season in passer rating Win pressured Kyle Draper. So it's a nice thought, but you're wrong. You lose. Did he really? I'm looking up some it's numbers not there, too. true. Is that true? Yes. Led the NFL in passer rating win pressured. He thrives on that because he has the escapability that some people, for some reason, want to pretend he doesn't possess and is not capable of. Hold on here. I, I don't believe your numbers, Whitey. <laughs> Dang. All right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Highest passer rating of a player under pressure this regular season. 
Then what is he talking? What film is he looking at? <laughs> they know. showed him just two games, you know? Yeah, uh, making Baltimore stuff up. Baltimore and Cleveland or something like yeah. that? Yeah, and maybe he's just like, I don't know. Hopefully he's a young quarterback. And, you know, the, here's the thing, too. Packers didn't think they'd be playing the 49ers. Right. They're like, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, hey, what are you going to do? I don't know. We didn't. We didn't have any we just, well, oh, sorry. Like, we got to prepare for another yeah. game, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? If the 49ers win a Super Bowl, and we're a long ways from that, I realize, what would that do for, uh, for Kyle Shanahan's reputation? When, point. Is that the, I, I ah? think that's Mitch Richmond down ah, there on okay. the floor. Yeah. yeah, that is. I'm about to text yeah. Jason who he's with. Tell Mitch to get his butt up here. I know we got Wayne Larrabee coming up here uh, in a minute. How Mitch going to be in the building and not respond? <laughs> Jay, did he respond to your text? No, he didn't. You know exactly. how Mitch he is, man. stairs from us. Uh, man, he's like right there. I could like hitting with a rock. <laughs> Hit the rock with a rock, rock. right? Yeah. <laughs> man. That's royalty right there. Uh-huh. King's royalty. Oh, he's probably got a lot of responsibilities and things there. But we'll see what we can do. Yeah, I try to get you should. So you're texting him right now? No. No, I'm you, about to, though. I'm a, <laughs> we'll I, see, we, maybe we'll see him look at his phone. I know. Look at his phone and then not respond. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that would be messed up, man. I, I don't want to embarrass myself like that. Yeah. That would, that would be a blow to the ego. Hey, Jay, if Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers win a Super Bowl, is Kyle Shanahan one of the – greatest 49er coaches what does that do for his legacy and the Shanahan legacy oh that's a good question I think he's still he he's third or he's probably third right because Walsh is one or with the win with the win I think I think he's fourth really yeah it kind of depends on how you see the hardball situation too and I know hardball wasn't in San Francisco for a long time but Going to the NFC Championship a few times and Super Bowl, you know, yep. you, Harbaugh's in front of Shanahan, I think, maybe. If Shanahan wins one, and it's a tall order, yep. you know, as we sit here, oh, they're great. They haven't won anything. They win, to me, he's easily right they're behind right. Walsh. Really? Where, yeah, you got him in front of Seifert? I do, because I think Seifert was kind of right. Inherited uh, Walsh. Of Walsh. Uh, Nothing against Seifert, okay. a great coach. I got you. But, yeah, yeah. And also, the other thing is the great thing about Walsh when you look at all-time coaches, he kind of changed the game, or at least he got oh, credit for sure. doing that. Yeah. And Shanahan is, even though it's kind of a, a little bit updating an old-school philosophy, I mean, he's kind of changed the way people coach the game and play the game now. Yeah, I, I, I think you can make the, the argument that from a tactical standpoint, Shanahan probably ahead of Seifert. Yeah. Seifert inherited Walsh's, you know. And Seifert was a defensive was under, coach. Yeah, yeah under yeah. Walsh, inherited yeah. the system and everything. And so just kept that. You know, that, that train was already moving. Uh-huh. That, you know, yep. he just hopped behind the wheel, hands off, and let it go. Whereas Shanahan, he's had to build something, mm-hmm. too. He's had to tweak some things. And he, he's obviously an offensive genius. So you might be right, Whitey. I, if he gets one, how many Seifert have? Uh, Seifert had two or one? A couple, right? Two, I thought, right? Yeah. Jay, how many Seifert have? got two. Two, yeah. yeah. Two. Including the most recent one, which, as you pointed out, was a while ago. Back when uh, (laughs) the iPhone wasn't even invented. I mean, I guess a guy won two Super Bowls. You got to give him a higher rank, and the guy's only won one. Right, right, but still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. All right. uh, Speaking of the 49ers and the Packers, Wayne Larravee scheduled to join us when we come back. And what happened to Mitch? Is he he coming up the stairs? Oh, I don't see. No, he went in the tunnel. <laughs> Mitch we'll see if we can get don't hold do that, of, uh, man. The great Mitch Richmond as well here. So drive guys rolling on from the Golden One Center on Sacktown Sports. What a big night here in Sacramento. The Kings are back home at the Golden One Center against, well, not Tyrese Halliburton, but Tyrese Halliburton's 
Indiana Pacers, and the trade has been made official now. Mark Boyle, the voice of the Pacers, is yes. going to join us top of the hour so we can talk about what the Siakam deal means to the Pacers. And it's just really interesting to me that in addition to the fact that they made that big trade with each other, these two teams are kind of, they've been kind of trying to figure out how to get out of very similar situations. Yeah, you know, they've shown some promise Yeah, at, at times uh, through this season. I think both are trending in the right direction yes. in terms of a franchise and have some cornerstones now for Indiana, Siakam, and Halliburton. Those are your cornerstone players, obviously, for us, Domas and De'Aaron Fox. They have identical records coming into tonight. And they so both I, wanted Siakam, They both right? wanted Siakam, and so I, I think they're both trending in the right direction, in, in, in similar directions. What do you think, and Wayne Larravee, we're getting ready for Wayne Larravee yeah. to join us here in just a moment. What do you think this game means for, for Domas tonight? I think it means a lot, man. I, I think, obviously, he had some great years uh, in Indiana. Um, but you could argue they didn't use him properly. Like, he put up some numbers, you know, made a couple of all-star teams. Uh, but now he's able to showcase his full game. And so uh, this is a team that traded him. for. And let's not forget, Tyrese Halliburton at the time was not Tyrese Halliburton today. Like, basically, they traded Domas and his two all-star appearances for a promising young mm -hmm. player that mm -hmm. really hadn't. Tyrese was great for us, he, but he wasn't the dude we see it now. Like, he wasn't billed as a franchise cornerstone. We I, didn't know what he was. He was no. a good player, but we didn't know what he could become. I totally understand why the Kings moved off of him, and I know that he would not have had the chance to become the player he is yeah. if he was still here. But the one thing I'll never understand is how he lasted as long as he did uh, in that draft. I, mem I remember that draft. You look at the other guys that were taken. Yeah. And I remember at the time thinking, wow, this guy should go really high. And he, what, the Kings got a what, 12? 12, yeah. 12 I, I'll never understand that. Yeah. Because his jump the, shot, I guess. Jump shot, exactly. They were knocking his jump shot. But he's a three-point shooter now, too. Like, And, and so uh, I, a number of teams got that one wrong uh, last, uh, you know, when Tyrese was drafted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then so they now have, or they're in the process of putting together their big three, uh, Siakam and Halliburton and uh, Miles Turner. Is Miles Turner a big three member? Well, like, how, I, I'm how just do we, guessing how that's kind of how him? they're trying to, yeah. like what they're trying to put together. Yeah, yeah, I, that's the thing. Is it really a big two and he's not quite there yet? Right, he's not quite there yet, and, and I don't know if, you know, another guy needs to come in. He's a very good player. He's a very good – is he an all-star? No, but he's very good. You know, one guy I'm excited to see tonight, I'm actually looking forward to see Obi Toppin. Mm. You know, remember him? He was in that draft. Yeah, coming out of Dayton, I think it was. Yep. High flyer, can dunk. Knicks took him. Knicks took him, and then he toiled in New York, wasted away in New York. He seems to have a, a, a renewed lease on life in Indiana, and the chemistry between him and Tyrese – is amazing and so he's a young exciting player also so i'm looking forward to seeing him yeah the pacers uh, the kings make no mistake they should win tonight but the pacers do have some depth so yeah. yeah they're missing some key pieces tonight and uh that will slow them down but they have a very capable bench the number one in the league in bench scoring at more than 50 per game Ooh. they get more than 50 points per game from their bench think about that and they're obviously the number one offense in the, in the league, score the most. Uh, they got weapons, man. I even like young Ben Matherin. He was a player mm -hmm. uh, I, I liked coming out of Arizona. Uh, I thought he had a tremendous upside. I still like him. Pac-12 player of the year uh, back in 2022. 
So, you know, and then you look at a guy like Aaron Neesmith, who was with the Celtics. They didn't uh, quite use him. He didn't quite fit. And, and now he comes to uh, uh, Indiana and plays extremely well, plays with an edge. I'm not sure he's going to play tonight. I think he is questionable at last check. But they got some players that maybe aren't household names, but that can get buckets. Yeah, and that makes Kings fans nervous because they're so accustomed to looking right. up and going, who's that who's guy? That guy? They got a bunch of those. Uh, who that guy? Reef scored how many yes, points? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Last year there was a game between the Pacers and the Warriors, and I think uh, Tyrese was out, and Andrew Nemhard yes. went off. Andrew, yeah, I remember that game. You're yeah. right. Yeah, You're right. Exactly. And so I think this Pacers team, man, you you got to take them seriously, even without Tyrese. You you best believe. Buddy Heald's trying to go for 40 tonight, right? Mm -hmm. He's trying to stick it to Sacramento any chance he can get. T.J. McConnell just seems like a pest, yep. a, a little heady basketball player. And, and so he's going to be tough. And so it's going to be a tough matchup tonight. So why do you feel this is a statement game, as you said earlier? Why do the Kings need to make a statement tonight? And ideally, what statement do they make? I think it's a statement game because of the way you lost the last two games collapsing down the stretch, missing free throws on Sunday, turning the ball over on Tuesday. I think, you know, psychologically, you need to make a statement like, that was in the past, we're moving on, there's no lingering, there's no reason for us to worry or anything like that. And uh, it will be a tough game, yes, in terms of, we know Rick Carlisle's teams, they always play hard. That's, that's a staple of Rick Carlisle's teams. They play hard. But with that being said, the Kings – are healthy mm -hmm. you know we got we got all our all, all our ammunition tonight and so that's the kind of statement i think we need on paper sure pacers going to play hard and tough but the kings are a better team especially with no tyrese or no siakam tonight yeah the one thing that concerns me about this game is that indiana is a very good three-point shooting team now i know that equation changes when they don't have yep, all their guys yeah, yeah. but we've seen that teams that are able to spread the floor and knock down shots that's not a strength of the kings defensively uh to say the least so that's that's probably my main concern tonight yeah top five three-point shooting team and when you look at now they don't have all their guys they don't have know, all their I know, guys I know, I know but you you know you look at a team like phoenix uh who i think was 10th in three-point shooting uh a season ago I'm, i mean uh going into last game yeah and they gashed us for 18 threes i think it was um the other night the Pacers actually hunt and search for three-pointers. Phoenix necessarily doesn't do that. That's not their game. They're not, you know, trying to get the spray threes as much. Like Indiana, there are threes or dunks and layups in the paint. They're not a mid-range team. And so we know how bad Sacramento's three-point defense has been this season. And so that, that would be the one area of concern. Now, if a guy like Neesmith gets going, Nimhard, that's where you can have a rough night tonight. And I think anybody who's watched De'Aaron Fox knows that although Tyrese Halliburton isn't playing tonight, De'Aaron Fox is keenly aware of who they're facing yeah. tonight, and uh, will it'll definitely be, in his mind, a statement game. A statement game. And remember last time Tyrese was here in this building, De'Aaron showed out. Like, De'Aaron, I think he picked his pocket, blocked the shot. Like, De'Aaron was hungry in that game. And De'Aaron's playing a little bit better as of late, two straight games, 30 or more points. But I'm sure he's heard all the chatter. Mm -hmm. Oh, they traded the wrong point yep. guard. All oh, this. Yeah. You know, and so that should be motivation. What's interesting about that, when I was talking to Jay Triano last week, he said, as players and coaches, 
we use whatever we can for motivation. So when the Kings went back to Charlotte, they were motivated, obviously, because Charlotte beat them. Malik was motivated because Charlotte, uh, you know, drafted him and then let him go. Jay was motivated, he said, because I used to be an assistant coach here. And he said, that's one thing, you know, being around Michael Jordan, he learned is you use whatever you can to motivate you, yourself. And we know Jordan was a master at that. And so if I'm De'Aaron Fox, I'm using all that chatter to motivate me. Yeah, and I think Kings fans are waiting for De'Aaron to put on another show, big show, you know. Right. 40 burgers tonight. 40 points tonight? Yeah. And like three quarters of work or right, something like that? Right, right. <laughs> Assuming he's healthy, which we'll have to keep an yeah. eye on. Uh, as promised, Mark Boyle. Pacers play-by-play guy. He's going to join us top of the hour. And Wayne Larravee, voice of Kyle Draper's beloved Green Bay Packers, will join us next to Drive Guys. We'll be right back to the Golden 1 Center on Sackdown Sports. Drive Guys coming to you from the Golden 1 Center, Pacers and New York Kings tonight. But, yeah, we're getting ready for the 49ers and the Packers. Uh, Saturday, newly minted Green Bay Packer yeah. fan, Kyle Draper. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to ask Wayne Larravee if, if you're allowed on the bandwagon this late in the game. So I'm sure Wayne yeah. would accept yeah. me. Well, well, probably. All comers right now. Before we bring him on, do you know what you and Wayne Larravee have in common professionally? We both worked in Wisconsin. Uh, okay. That's one I didn't know. Yeah. In, in addition to that, you've both broadcast Kings games because he – Apparently, oh, has bro- he used to broadcast the Kansas City Kings? No way. Let's bring him on and confirm that. Wayne Larravee, how are you, sir? How you doing? Good, good. Is that uh, Do I have yeah. that right? You used to broadcast the Kansas City Kings games? No, I did one or two games well, filling right. in. That was it. Yeah. That counts. <laughs> we'll count it. That counts. Yeah. We'll take it, Wayne. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah. We, we have to ask you if uh, Kyle Draper, who's an Eagles fan, you know, now the Eagles lost, so he didn't like the Niners. So he wants to be a Packer fan uh, starting this week, Wayne Larrabee. Is that is that allow we welcome him aboard the bandwagon? Oh, absolutely. Uh, plenty of room for you. Good seats available. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Wayne, what, 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 what my co-host doesn't understand is I used to work in the great city of La Crosse, Wisconsin, my first TV job. And we used to make that three-hour drive to Lambeau every weekend to see Reggie White, Brett Favre, and, and, and Butler, and all those guys, uh, Gilbert Brown, play. And so I feel like I'm already wow. part of the, the fan base a little bit. I've just been simmering. And now that the night they face the Niners, now I can be full on board with it. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we need all the help we can get, so we'll take you. That's for sure. Yeah. Wayne Larrabee with us, the uh, voice of the Packers. Uh, how did they pull off that upset? And was there any sense uh, before the game, Wayne, that uh, that that the Packers were, you know, confident that they did have a legit shot to pull off that stunner? No, you know what? Um, when I was getting on the plane in Dallas, uh, I always walked by Tom Clements, quarterbacks coach, uh, his seat, and I've known Tommy since he was throwing the football for Marv Levy in Kansas City, going back into the seventies. And I said to Tommy, he said, Tommy. Come on now. The next time you're going to drop 48 on somebody, give me a heads up. I'd like to be a little more eloquent. (laughs) (laughs) He looked at me like, well, you're always eloquent, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Wayne Larrabee joining us, uh, play-by-play announcer for the Green Bay Packers. Wayne, when you look back at that Dallas game, uh, were you more impressed by the defense or what you saw from Jordan Love? What stood out to you about those two things? Uh, I think Jordan Love, uh, and, and then, of course, uh, Showtime. Um, you know, Aaron Jones has made a huge difference down the stretch in the last uh, month here. 
um, with his ability to move the football on the ground, give them an explosive ground game. So, uh, but that, that, those are the two factors that really jumped out at me. The defense I thought played well. I thought they, they contained uh, things very well. And, you know, in that regard, that was great. Um, and they really, uh, they're not going to get a lot of credit because, you know, Dallas piled up a lot of points in yards in garbage time when, you know, the game was over, it was over before the third quarter. I mean, yeah. you know, they were, they were the score of that game wasn't um, 48 to 32 or whatever. It was, it was more like 48 to 16. Cause that's what it was at one point midway through uh, the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, but I thought the defense has played solidly the past several weeks and, and that was really good to see. And they finally started getting some takeaways. Yeah. That's the, the beauty of that. Um, they struggled to get interceptions. They had like three interceptions in their last nine games, and they had two by halftime. One went back to the house. So, uh, you know, that was really great to see, refreshing to see, let me put it that way. Wayne, what do you think is the uh, most difficult aspect of this matchup for the Packers against San Francisco this week? I think the big thing uh, for the Packers is you must match San Francisco's physicality in the trenches. And, you know, it's easy for me to say that, but it's 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 tough to do. Um they, the thing that, that separates San Francisco, I mean, you know, I, I understand you guys are all going gaga over the, the uh, you know, um, the skill players. And, and trust me, I, I voted for McCaffrey for Offensive Player of the Year over every quarterback in the league. Um, so, you know, I, I know what you're talking about here. And Debo is a great talent. And Ayuk is the leading receiver. And, you know, then, it, it, hey, if you contain those guys, George Kittle's going to break your heart anyway. So, um, I, despite all of that, what separates San Francisco? What has made them so good over these last – and I go back to the hardball regime. It is their physicality at the line of scrimmage, both lines, and but especially now defensively. Um, that's the thing the Packers have to meet. You know, They must may, meet that physicality from San Francisco to have a chance in this game. Wayne Larrabee, voice of the Green Bay Packers, joining us. Wayne, tell me about your coach, Matt LaFleur, and, and just uh, his involvement, his growth, uh, you know, weathered the storm the last couple of years, and now has this team one win away from the NFC Championship game. Well, I, I think he's always been, um, you know, an excellent coach and a great strategist, and, you know, he he's, you know, got his system, the X's and O's, that much of which came from Kyle Shanahan, uh, and I think over the years, uh, Matt has developed some of his own um, tendencies, that type of thing. He's an excellent coach. There's no doubt about that. Um, the thing that that strikes me about this season and going into the season, it was, okay, here's the problem for Matt LaFleur as I look at it from the outside looking in, in terms of getting recognition. They won 13 games back-to-back seasons. They were the number one seed and the best team in the NFC in 2021. They really were um, and they lost to the Niners in Lambeau on a snowy night on two bad special teams plays. Um, but it was all about Aaron Rodgers. When you have a talent like that, and I saw it with Michael Jordan in Chicago, uh, you know, I saw it with, uh, to a lesser degree with Brett Favre, and then, of course, Aaron Rodgers. When you have a talent like that, um, you know, the coach doesn't get the kind of recognition and credit that he should. Biggest example of that is Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson won how many titles and never once was named coach of the year in the NBA in his career. Never once. He had Michael, he had Kobe, he had Shaq, and nobody 
gave him any credit for what he was doing. The fact is, what I learned from those years with the Bulls is that, hey, it takes an enormous amount of coaching, um, you know, to basically put the great players in a position to win because they always feel they know how to get there and they're going to get there their way when actually that may not be the way to get there. And that's hard to do. And so it takes, I think in order to have to win with great players, I understand all the men, the multitudes out there think, Oh, the great players win that. No, I think the great players need direction and have to be put in a position to make the plays. And that's where coaching comes in. So I think Matt, um, you know, under the shadow of Aaron Rodgers didn't get a lot of credit for what yeah. the Packers accomplished in his first three years. And now um, this is the year where everyone said, well, now we're going to see the real Matt LaFleur offense. And maybe we are, but uh, I'll tell you what, the development of this quarterback is the story in Green Bay. Yep. And it's what the season was all about back in August. Do the Packers have a quarterback they can move forward and win with? That was the question. Not playoffs, not Super Bowl, not winning season. That was the question. If you answered that question, it didn't matter. Whatever, whatever else happened. Wayne Larravee, our guest here, uh, voice of the Packers. You mentioned uh, some of the games, you know, the, the great rivalry, the great past, the history these teams have. And I know we could do two or three shows just talking about the Packers and the 49ers. So I know there's not time necessarily to really uh, give this uh, the answer it deserves. But I'm wondering what stands out in your mind about uh, some of the great games that you've seen, some of the great games in the 49er Packer rivalry and the history of that rivalry. Well, unfortunately, the games I've seen, <laughs> in a lot of cases, the Niners have won, uh, you know, in the last 25 years. Um, but, no, there's a great regular season game out there where, you know, Rodgers hit uh, Devontae Adams to set up a field goal and, and to win the game, um, set up a field goal by uh, uh, Mason Crosby. There, there are so many. You know, I, I think back to um, the Kaepernick game, not the one you're thinking of where he ran for 500 yards. But I'm thinking about the one the following year in 20, after the 2013 season in Green Bay on a cold day um, when the Packers and Niners went at it and came down to, what, I think it was 13 to 10 or something like that. And, um, you know, Kaepernick made a play or two that got the Niners the win. Um, you know, I, I think it's a great series. I think the game, it's interesting. The game, uh, the divisional game, the last time these two teams played in the playoffs sticks out most to me because – that was a very good Packers team. Uh, that was a Packers team that had trashed the Rams in late November, had beaten Cincinnati in Cincinnati. Oh, and by the way, the Rams and Bengals were the two teams that were in that Super Bowl. The Packers beat them both. Um, and so that was a really good team. But the problem they had was San Francisco coming to Green Bay. And, and I thought that night they met the phys- physicality of the 49ers, and they were battling back and forth. Um, the Packers were moving the ball real well on their first drive. They score a touchdown. Second drive, Mercedes Lewis drops a little fumbles uh, off a little swing pass. The Niners recover. Although they don't score right away, it changed everything. The Packers' offense never got on track from there. Um, they were sitting in a 10-3 lead most of the night. Then, the, you know, the miscues in the kicking game. All of a sudden, uh, Talanoa Hufunga is in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, that ties the game, and then the Niners win it when Debo Samuel um, gets, what, 15 yards on third and 13, and um, they set up a field goal for Robbie Gold. But that was a heck of a ball game. And um, I think if the Packers could have survived that game, they would have won the Super Bowl. Wow. Wayne Larrabee. Wayne, congratulations on the win last week. Have a great call. Thanks very much for your time. And we hope to talk to you again real soon. All right. Take care, guys. All right, Wayne. Thanks Wayne so Larrabee, who was allowed 
Kyle Draper aboard the Packer bandwagon, yes. officially granted permission. Of course, me and Wayne go way back, you know. He's an Emerson grad in Boston. I worked in Boston. We got a lot of parallels sure. in our career. Yeah. Now we both are cheering for the Packers. Yeah. You know? It all comes full circle. Yeah, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to uh, the legendary Pacers play-by-play guy. Mark Boyle joins us as we get ready for the Kings and the Pacers here from the Golden One Drive Guys on Sackdown Sports.